Hey, all you beautiful people, and welcome back to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast for a very special episode together as we close out 2023, which feels monumental in many ways, but also as I open up about the last days and even hours of my mama's precious life here on earth. I haven't processed out loud with very many people yet. In fact, I just got my hair done this past week and I wasn't even ready to tell my hairstylist out loud about what I was going through. So Sarah, if you're listening by chance, I'm sorry. It's not that I don't trust you. I just wasn't ready to say it out loud in such a public space. Although a podcast is a very public space, it actually feels very meaningful and fitting to process out loud with you, my podcast family, as many of you have truly been on this journey with me. And I want to say thank you to those of you who have prayed for my mama and who have prayed for me and our family during this time. We have felt truly held by those prayers. And we know that prayer has everything to do with the fact that we've kept experiencing the grace of God in such tangible ways. In fact, my dad has articulated it so well in saying that each morning we've found God's grace to be more. Yes, the pain has been overwhelming, but we keep finding His grace to be more. I know that your prayers have been a huge part of that, so thank you so much. You'll notice that my voice is struggling a little bit. I actually have been sick for more than 10 days. It actually started the night before my mom's memorial service and has carried on and on since then. I'm finally actually feeling better, but my voice hoarseness and a lingering cough has just stayed pretty persistent, and I'm looking forward to feeling myself again in many ways. But I named today's episode Be Thou My Vision for several reasons that I'll tell you about in this episode, but one of them is because I had actually planned on bringing the podcast back this fall around the release of our song, Be Thou My Vision, on November 10th, and I was going to tie it all in with November being a milestone birthday for me. It was my 50th, and while I sensed that God was planning to help me commemorate my birthday in some of the most meaningful ways ever, I had no idea that this season would also hold and be marked by the loss of my precious mother. Looking back, I can see God's faithful hand preparing me and my parents for this tremendous loss, even in very practical ways. But I will say the speed in which she declined and was gone is still a bit of a shock to our family, and it's a mystery to all of us. In July, I knew that things were shifting with my mom's health, but truthfully, I still thought we had a year or so with her. In August, my parents were able to go on a trip to see some very beloved friends in their lives. In fact, you might remember the episode where I shared about my parents' 50th wedding anniversary and how we were surrounded by their precious friends who my dad refers to as the brethren. You might even remember that I shared a clip on that podcast of all of us singing and worshiping together that night. If you want to hear that episode, it's episode number nine. Back from the very beginning of this podcast, it aired August 23rd, 2016. But my precious friend, Jenna Claire, actually sent me that episode only two days before my mama passed away. She wanted to remind me of what I wrote and read to my parents that 50th anniversary night and how I spoke of the golden threads woven all throughout their lives and their marriage. 
I'm sitting here so very grateful that this past August, on their 57th wedding anniversary, that they were able to travel that 10-hour journey to see those beloved friends once more, as it would indeed be the last time that they were all in one room together as the brethren. In September, I remember noticing some big changes in my mom, especially cognitively. But she would assure me that it was what many refer to as chemo brain, which I'm sure was very much a part of what was going on as she had just had a chemo infusion about three weeks before that. But as I was beginning to decorate our home for fall, I remember I reached out to her to see if her white hydrangeas in front of their home by chance were still relatively white and fluffy. If so, I was going to drive out there and pick some in order to dry them and have them for arrangements around the house with white pumpkins and candles. Well, she texted back and she said, well, unfortunately, they're all singed and they're on their way out. So I texted back and I said with faith in my heart, okay, well, we'll have to remember next year at this time to dry a bunch before they get all singy for us to both have for fall decor. Well, a couple of weeks later, she told me that she had a big cry over that text exchange. Deep down, I knew what she meant, but not wanting to go there yet, I asked her why. And she said, well, we may not have next year. In the meantime, she was still active. In fact, leading into the first part of October, they had a few different waves of friends who visited their home from out of town, and she cooked and cleaned, and she really, truly seemed to enjoy the fact that they were getting to host. And I remember all of this because I had a month full of travel booked in October. In fact, I was only home about 10 days of that month, starting with the full first week of October, where a group of my own beloved friends very much equipped equivalent to the brethren in my own life, took me on a beach getaway for an early birthday trip. It was the beginning of what I mentioned earlier, of God commemorating my 50th year in ways that only even He knows that would reach the very depths of my heart in terms of affirming me and loving me as His daughter. It was the most beautiful, restful time with friends who I feel 100% myself with, and God knows what a gift they are to me. I was keeping in touch with my mom each week that month in terms of how she was doing in order to know if it was okay to take the next trip that was planned. And this is because one of the things that I was now carrying in my heart around that time was that she had decided in September, no more chemo. We did know that the chemo at that point was really only going to give us more time but it really still was hard news for us as a family, though we very much understood her decision. Chemo is hard on anyone, but it's really hard on a tiny little woman in her late 70s. Still, she was hopeful about a couple of holistic approaches that had truly worked for one of her friends, and so we were all remaining hopeful along with her. And God gave me true peace in those weeks to keep moving forward with plans that I'd made in terms of travel. In fact, I can look back on each of those trips in October and see either how God miraculously poured into me on those trips or how He was poured out through me in miraculous ways. So even though it's tempting, and I've been tempted to feel a sense of guilt and shame for being away so much that month, I hold on to the truth that I believe that I was where I was supposed to be and there's another big reason for that, and it's because there was this moment I had with my mom on the phone between the last two trips of October. 
I actually wasn't feeling well, so I had delayed one of the trips for a day, and I was honestly trying to decide if I should still go. Well, the place that I was supposed to head to was a retreat at Lost Valley, which many of you know, and my mom knew, that it's one of my most happy places on this earth. But I was struggling with going, wondering if I needed to stay and be here for my mom, and I was admitting that to her out loud on the phone that day. And I'll never forget how all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just began to pray over me and just began to speak a blessing over me out loud over the phone. I was telling my sister-in-law just this past weekend that I wish I had a recording of it. I might not remember all of what she said, but I remember full well her posture towards me in that moment, as well as the power of what she spoke over my heart and my life. She just began to say, I bless you, my sweet daughter, Christy, in the name of Jesus. And she proceeded from there to bless me, to do all that is in my heart to do, all that God has purposed for me to take hold of and be a part of in this life. And she blessed me to walk in it and do it. Looking back and Even in that moment, I knew that this was her way of saying, go, don't hold back. Go and be and do all that God has purposed and planned for you. I can tell you that the trip to Lost Valley would be one of deep renewal. In fact, I had a time on my knees with the Lord in that place that I'll never, ever forget. It was a marked few days of a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in my life that I desperately needed. I can't imagine having not gone and then experiencing what I've been walking through without that time of personal revival there. When my mom finished blessing me on the phone, I took the time to bless her in Jesus' name. I thanked God for her life and her legacy And we thanked God together for the miraculous things that he had already done in her life, for his faithfulness at every turn in this journey. And we trusted him together for the days to come. When I got back from my last trip in late October, I began to spend most of my days out there at their house helping out because I could tell that she was just extra tired and weary. But again, we were hopeful that this holistic approach was going to help and that maybe she just needed some rest. By the week of November 6th, which was when I had planned to relaunch the podcast, my mama's pain and discomfort had reached an all-time high. I can honestly tell you that she was miserable in the true sense of the word. Did she ever complain? No, she didn't. Not one time I didn't ever hear her complain. But what I did notice And this is the only way I know how to explain it. Her world here just began to get smaller and smaller. In fact, I told Nathan one day when I came home that the things that once held her interest don't even seem to be in view anymore. She didn't have her eyes on things that normally she would have had an eagle's eye on. One of those things being any time I released anything into the world, she was on it. But on November 10th, the day that Be Thou My Vision released, I woke up and I headed out to their home first thing. I helped around the house and I sat with her most of the day as my dad had some things that he needed to take care of in town. And that day was the first time that my mom spoke to me out loud about some decisions that she and my dad had made concerning arrangements around her death and her funeral. 
She cried with me as she shared some very deep and personal things about her own parents' deaths and funerals, things that she wanted to make sure that we didn't experience. Although it was very hard to hear in the moment, I very much admire her for going there with me. Not only did it begin to truly prepare my heart for what was about to happen, but I felt confided in and trusted by her that she'd tell me those things. Because it was that kind of day, I didn't even remember that it was release day until a friend texted me that evening to tell me what the song had already meant to her. As I sat there, I began to realize the significance of the timing of the release of that particular song. I began to think through and sing through the lyrics to myself, realizing it was a prophetic prayer that God would orchestrate for me to sing over that day and over this season. Jesus, be our vision. The following week would be the last full week of my mother's life. Although I can truthfully tell you, we thought we still had at least Thanksgiving together, maybe even Christmas. Midweek that week, the elders from their church came out to my parents' home one more time to anoint her with oil and pray once again for healing. My dad asked if Nate and I would bring the guitar out and sing and asked specifically if I'd sing a newer song of mine called, Where Would I Be? As in, Where Would I Be Without the Blood of Jesus? It was my mom's favorite from my new album, At first, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it through the song, and I even thought about telling my dad, no, I don't think I can do that, but I'm so glad I sang and lifted my voice to the Lord in that moment right beside my mama as it was the very last time I would get to sing while she was fully awake. When the elders left, Ellie and Annie, our daughters, spent some time, about an hour actually, just singing songs around the piano for my mom. My mom had her head tilted back with her eyes closed and a smile on her face while she was also trying to film it all with her phone camera. That Friday was my 50th birthday, and knowing that she couldn't come to me, I drove out to see her, just to sit with her. She was in a lot of pain that day. In fact, we really just sat side by side on the couch, mostly in the quiet the whole time I was there. She would reach up and pat my face as we tried to talk about normal things. But there were a few times that day that my dad and I ended up in tears as my mom would bring to my attention that it was my birthday, and that once upon a birthday, she was the one caring for me. Now the roles had shifted, and now on this, my 50th, I was the one caring for her. The next day was Saturday, and when I pulled up to the house, I got out of the car and I was alarmed to look up and to see about 15 vultures swarming in a circle very low over my parents' house. They live in the country, and I very much get that this is just a thing that happens in nature, but I was carrying in grocery bags into the kitchen, and it very much felt like a physical picture of something spiritual that was happening. I immediately said out loud, I speak life over this house in Jesus' name. I put the grocery bags on the kitchen table just a few steps from their back door, and by the time I walked back outside, there was only one vulture left, and he was flying away. I remember saying, yeah, you better get out of here. (laughs) That day would turn out to be a very hellish day in terms of my mom's pain and suffering. 
We met with a hospice nurse that morning, hopeful that they could help us stay on top of her pain. And I told my brothers that they should just make plans to go ahead and come this way and not wait until Thanksgiving. I shared with my dad what I had seen over the house when I drove up. I felt prompted to tell him to pray over the house once again, to pray over mom, especially against any kind of spiritual warfare, because I was reminded of Psalm 116.15, where it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And it occurred to me that the enemy would even try to come after this wonderful woman's death, knowing what a precious event it would be for her to arrive home in the arms of Jesus. And of course, the enemy would want to only steal and kill and destroy any peace or comfort or beauty that God would have for her and for us in her homecoming. I left mom and dad's house around 5 p.m. that Saturday night as some friends had prepared a birthday meal for me. And since I had already planned to come back either that night or first thing the next morning, I felt okay to go. But in those days, every time I kissed my mama, I knew it could be the last. I always lingered when I told her goodbye, and I always said, I love you, mama. And she always told me that she loved me too. That night, that group of very beloved friends set the most beautiful table for Nathan and I in their home. I've said it many times since then, but it was like Psalm 23 to my soul that night. Maybe you need to hear it over your life today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My sweet mom and dad that Saturday night would truly walk through the valley of the shadow of death together, alone. Without giving sacred details, my dad ended up warring in prayer over my mom that night, specifically praying against anything that the enemy was trying to steal, even in those precious hours of her beginning her journey home. She finally did become more peaceful that night and was able to get some rest. But by the early morning hours, She had become unresponsive. My dad texted me to tell me first thing that morning, and I made my way there as quickly as I could. And as soon as I arrived, I began talking to her and holding her hand and seeing if maybe she would stir. It had been about three hours, and nothing could wake her. Her breathing was very slow and very spread out. We were literally watching her every breath. After a while, my dad decided that maybe her hearing from the boys who hadn't gotten there yet, but they were making their way there, maybe this would stir her. I actually have this on video, but as soon as she heard my brother Eric's voice, 
She shot up and began looking around the room. The color began running back into her face, and she looked completely angelic. And she said, where am I? And after a very sweet exchange of words with her son, Eric, she began to say things like, I am still in my same clothes. I can't believe it. Then she said, how long have I been? And she just stopped and stared around the room with, like I said before, just the most warm and angelic countenance. When my other brother got on the phone, he told her how they had been praying for her comfort and that she wouldn't be in any pain. And she responded very calmly to him. She said, I am not in any pain. We know now that this was a rally that the Lord knew that both brothers and all those that she's left behind really needed. But you know what? I'm not convinced at all that she needed it. I truly believe in my heart of hearts, and I don't know how this works, but she was already on her way. The things of earth had already grown strangely dim. Her heart and her sights were set on something new. She had her eagle's eye on one thing. As our sweet friend Charlie Hall sings, she was on the road to beautiful. Her heart set on a pilgrimage to heaven's own bright king. Not that she didn't love us or want to stay with us, but I got the feeling, and I still have the feeling when I watch that video, that Mama had gotten a glimpse of something, of someone. Jesus, heart of her own heart, bright heaven's son, And I wonder if she had caught a new vision for her life and it was now fully him. She was ready to no longer see just some part, but the full measure of who he is. I'll never forget when the hospice nurse got there just a little bit after that. She asked my mom a very practical question about her pain or something, but my mom responded with, I can't believe I'm back. And she said, God just kept saying to me, He kept telling me, and she wouldn't finish the sentence, and the hospice nurse and I were just sitting there hanging on her every word to know what did God say, and then she would just go quiet again. I think this was enough for the hospice nurse to hear. Looking back, I'm sure she sees it quite a bit, honestly, when people just begin to make the journey to eternity. They start saying those kind of things. That Sunday night, the nurse made the call that we needed to move my mom to the hospice facility available at their nearest hospital, which I believe was an absolute answer to the prayers of the saints, including many of you who are praying and lifting up my mom and our family. I want to publicly thank the nurses and doctors and staff of Murray Regional Hospital who took care of not only my mama, but my sweet dad and all of us for that matter. But I also hope in many ways that our family was a blessing to all of them. There were several moments that the nurses cried with us as we worshiped in song around my mother's bed, or when we would share about who my mama was and the faith, tears would just start streaming down their faces. We had many beautiful moments of what felt like revival inside of those walls with those nurses caring for us like we were their own family. 
My dad had a few very precious moments alone with my mom in those early morning hours in the hospital as she would stir and awaken a little bit. But for the most part, once she was in the hospital, she was relatively unresponsive. The nurses assured us, though, that she could hear us. So for three full days, we visited Mama and we talked to her. We loved on her. We sang, we read scripture, we told stories, we took turns curling up next to her. We laughed and bawled our eyes out, sometimes all at the same time. And I want you to know that we believed until the very end that God could raise her right up off that hospital bed, and we prayed that to the very end. We also very lovingly held the idea that his answer could be healing and wholeness in heaven alone. And to that we would sing, it is well with my soul. By late Wednesday afternoon, it truly seemed that Mama was now waiting on every last grandchild to get there. All the granddaughters had made it, including the husband of the oldest granddaughter. Then she waited on the last two grandsons that we knew could get there in time. And we just had to send a message from the one who couldn't make the journey. My dad was weary to the bone that evening. I've never seen him like that before. He just began to ache for her to no longer have to suffer here. As soon as the last grandson kissed her goodbye and all of us filed out for the third night in a row of visiting that hospital room, each night feeling like it would be the last, the prayer began to be, Jesus, if you're not going to raise her, please take her. I had told my dad a few minutes before I left, I wonder now if she's waiting for all of us to leave. (laughs) That would be just like her, to want to make sure everyone had gotten to come and everyone was now squared away, and then she'd just slip out very quietly in the night. And she did just that. In fact, she waited until my dad fell asleep that night around 11 p.m. or so, He had only slept a matter of hours and a matter of days, but he said he had just drifted off when one of the nurses came in and took his arm and said, I think she's gone. She even waited until dad was finally sleeping to slip out and call it a day. We never imagined that on Thanksgiving afternoon, we would be planning our mother's memorial service. As we began to think through the different elements of how we knew we wanted to honor her, we knew that each of us, her kids, would share, and my dad really wanted all of the older grandkids who also carry my mother's musical legacy to sing a song at the very end. But one of the ways that we decided to begin the service is the way that I want to end the podcast now. My sister-in-law, Kristen Hill, whom all of you know as Amaryllis Kristen, had read something over all of us as we gathered around the kitchen island earlier that day, something that she had written for a moment just like this one. It moved all of us profoundly, especially my dad, and he asked Kristen to read it at the service. And I want to read it to you now. I will say in January, I do plan to share what I wrote for my mama for that sacred day of remembering her and her legacy But I keep imagining that we're all going to need something in the dark winter days of January. I know I'm going to need it. Truth and beauty that we can all come around together. So I'm going to save it for them. But today I'll leave you with this beautiful piece written by Kristen. I know from even just my comments on Instagram 
as many of you have come around the posts that I've given about my mom and her homecoming. I know that many of you have lost loved ones even recently as well, even right around the same time that I lost my mama. My heart goes out to you, and I pray that this timely message will bring you great comfort in these days. I also believe for those of you who are not experiencing loss this holiday season, that it will give you fresh eyes and a heightened sensitivity to those in your community who may be hurting deeply and are very sad in this season. At the close of this piece, I'm going to share our version of the beloved hymn, Be Thou My Vision, available anywhere you listen to music. And also be sure to visit my YouTube channel to see this gorgeous film project that we got to be a part of in celebration of this beautiful hymn, along with a stunning art offering by our friend Jake Weidman. So after Kristen shared some very personal opening remarks about my beloved mama, she read this. It's difficult any time we experience such great loss, but we feel the loss perhaps even more deeply at the holidays, especially when the person we are missing the most always made the holidays so special. The Lord brought to mind something I learned a few years ago that brings new beauty and meaning around this and helps to frame these days with a renewed perspective. In 2019, Eric and I and Christy and Nathan with some dear friends got to take an amazing trip to the Holy Land. It was incredible to walk where Jesus walked and to visit so many of the iconic sites in Israel that hold so much history in the family of God. One of the amazing places we visited was the remains of the temple in Jerusalem that we read so much about in Scripture. In front of the temple, there is an area called the Southern Steps. Even today, there are remnants of the large, rugged stone steps that lead to the gates on the southern wall of the Temple Mount. From the steps, you can see the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane nearby. Brilliantly and intentionally designed, the stone steps were, and still are today, irregular and uneven, which would cause all who enter to look down as they climb the alternating wide and narrow steps. This unusual and intentional design would have caused all who came to enter his gates to do so with a bowed head as they looked down at the uneven steps with a slowed pace and a thoughtful, reflective spirit as they entered to worship, singing the familiar Psalms of Ascent as they climbed. The Southern Steps hold so much history and heritage in the great family of God, but one piece of that history in particular comes from a beautiful custom that our guide told us about. There were sacred traditions that were a part of every person's pilgrimage to the temple to worship during holy days. Pilgrims and worshipers would ascend the great steps, always entering through the eastern triple gate. Then after worship, everyone knew to exit through the western double gate. Everyone visiting knew this. Everyone visiting did this. There was only one exception. Those who came to worship with grieving hearts. If you came to the temple after losing someone you loved and your heart was grieving, that year you entered in reverse. Instead of climbing the stairs and joining the crowds, entering through the triple gate, you entered through the exit, 
through the double gate, and everyone knew what that meant. As the crowds were exiting, they would make way for the grieving who were approaching God's house. And as they would bump into each other, as they walked toward each other, going in opposite directions, those leaving would say to the grieving, I'm so sorry. Without needing to say a word, the grieving found comfort in the community of worshipers who instantly knew that this year they were approaching the holy days after experiencing great loss. The family of God made way for those with grieving hearts to enter the house of God, feeling known and seen and with great compassion. Even as strangers, there was a spirit communicated among fellow worshipers saying, you belong to something greater than yourself. We are so sorry for your loss. Come to the house of God. May it bring you comfort and peace. So friends, we are stepping into these sacred holy days with grieving hearts. For each of us that loved and were loved by Susan, these days are like visiting the southern steps. This year, we are entering through the exit. Our hearts carry the weight of this unspeakable loss. I pray today that the Lord surrounds us with the comfort and peace that only He can give, reminding us that we too are seen and we are loved as we enter these days with heavy and grieving hearts. We've each been marked by Susan's beautiful life, and we are a part of the bigger community in the great story of God. So together, let's come to the house of God. As we climb the steps of our longing and our grief together, we will enter through the exit. We find ourselves in that sacred space where the veil is thin between the here and the not yet between this broken world and eternal glory where our loved one is even now in the presence of our King. Jesus, the wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace is holding our hearts even now as we hold both mourning and celebration in these sacred days. Emmanuel, God with us, is here even now, bringing His comfort and His peace. Let's enter into His presence and find rest.
I read.